Welcome to the School Communication Scoop by School Webmasters. Today's topic is about how to avoid turning off your audience with your edge-of-speak or sometimes called jargon monoxide poisoning, part two. To be an effective educator, you must be a good communicator. To be a good communicator, you must break your messages down into its simplest form and change the way you talk about programs and educational systems. I'm Bonnie Leedy, School Webmaster CEO, and joining me today is Katie Brooks. She helps our schools with their public relations and marketing efforts, and I've asked her to share her expertise. Hi, Katie, and welcome. Thank you, Bonnie. I'm happy to be here. In the last episode, I told you a story about a superintendent whose message was getting lost in her jargon. In this episode, let's commit to replacing jargon with more relatable language and compelling, authentic stories. I'll tell you how. The first step to eliminating jargon is to identify what qualifies as your school's jargon. One of the best ways to do this is to ask a parent. One parent described her fifth grader's back-to-school night in these words. The evening passed in a blur of acronyms, test names, and emendations to last year's systems, which I also didn't understand. In fact, I think it's fair to say that I understood significantly less at this open house than I did at my son's open house during a sabbatical year when it took place overseas and in a foreign language. This is coming from an Ivy League educated lawyer and journalist. Even she felt overwhelmed by the lack of understanding too much jargon caused at a back-to-school night. So gather a focus group of parents and ask them about terms and phrases the district and schools use frequently. See if they understand what you mean by those phrases and how they relate to district and school communications. Another approach is to test your audience to see if your messages are clear. You can do this by creating a survey of some of your common topics and the words you use when describing or talking about programs. Ask your audience to define the terms. For example, you might ask, what does cooperative learning mean to you? The parent we mentioned earlier said, I felt as if I were toggling between a business school seminar and the space program. Acronyms alone, seemingly random sequences of letters like MAP and SOL and EAPE were being deployed more frequently than actual words. Acronyms count as jargon too. In education, there are lots of acronyms. Do parents know when you say STEM, what you mean is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics? By the time students reach high school, parents should be very familiar with STEM. But depending on the educational background of the parent whose student is starting kindergarten, it may be the first time they've ever been exposed to STEM. One tip is to include a list of common acronyms and other definitions on back-to-school night to help orient parents to the language of your district. Give these acronyms and definitions a home on your school website so parents in the community can easily look up a reference they may not understand. Next, be clear and define your terms. One of my favorite movies is The Princess Bride. In the movie, one of the characters uses the word inconceivable several times. After one exclamation, another character says to him, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Clarify your message by making sure your audience knows what you mean. According to Kathy Klotz Guest, clarity is the communicator's burden, and busy people won't take the time to decode your message. They shouldn't have to. This means you can't make assumptions when you communicate. 
Don't assume your audience knows what you mean when you talk about 21st century skills or growth mindsets. It's on you to define those words and phrases. If you want to talk about social-emotional learning, within the first few seconds, you should offer a definition. William Taylor, co-founder of Fast Company Magazine, offers this advice when it comes to replacing jargon. Words matter in business and in life. I've always found that companies that aspire to do extraordinary things, leaders who aim to challenge the limits of what's possible in their fields, offer rich and vivid descriptions of what they hope to do, where they hope to get, and why it matters. What do you hope your program will do? What exactly will students learn? Why is it important? Use language that is relatable, engaging, approachable, and personal. A word of caution. When providing clarity, be sure not to belittle your audience by telling them that you're going to provide clarity. I recently heard a story of a district leader who sent out a memo to parents, letting them know she was going to translate a new district policy into mom language. Remember, the only reason they don't understand edu-speak is because they are outsiders to your profession. Your parents may be doctors, lawyers, or educators themselves, but it does not exempt them from being able to understand educational jargon. What the district leader meant, and what she should have said, was we're going to cut through our own jargon to make this more understandable. While we're giving jargon the axe, it won't hurt to simplify all of our vocabulary. I came home from babysitting one day and said to my husband, I am not watching that kid again. He was absolutely incorrigible. My husband laughed and said, what does that mean? (laughs) Oh, I said, you know, he was really naughty. (laughs) The dictionary definition is persistently bad, but he got the idea. I love words. My husband is a math guy. We frequently do this back and forth while I'll drop a $10 word and then need to go back and give him a definition. He doesn't mind it because he learns new words, and I don't mind it because it makes me think about my everyday vernacular. I know I'm not alone in my love of $10 words. However, it's important to consider your audience. If you are talking to a room of teachers and other educators, go ahead and use those sescapedalian words. But when you're speaking to parents and the community, never use a $10 word when a $1 word will suffice. According to Kathy, big words may sound important. They're not. Real experts know how to make the complex simple. You're not dumbing down your message. Rather, you're making it more accessible to more people when you speak plainly to busy people. Remember the superintendent who suffered from the curse of the expert in part one? As soon as we realized that the community was struggling with her messages, we put our PR for Schools communication coordinator to work, helping to break down the district jargon. In speaking with this district recently, we learned that the communication coordinator is able to interpret school jargon and help the decision makers better talk so the public will understand. As she sits in with the administration, the communication coordinator will say things like, now, what do you mean by that? Or, do I understand this correctly? She then takes what she learns from the administrators and turns it into something everyone in the community can understand for the website and district newsletter. Having this outsider's ear to help the district identify their specific jargon is helping to improve their public relations by making their school communications more accessible. When you understand what your audience may struggle to understand in your message, and when you take the time to be clear and deliberate in your language, you will build trust and credibility with your audience. If your district struggles with the curse of the expert, 
and your community is suffering the effects of jargon monoxide poisoning, School Webmasters can help. Thank you all for joining us here at School Webmasters for part two of Jargon Monoxide Poisoning. Be sure to join us next time here at the School Communication Scoop for more helpful tips on how to improve your school marketing, parent engagement, customer service, and so much more. Hope to see you next time.